Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Hey, thanks for being here this morning. It's good to see you. Welcome to church. Uh, welcome everybody online. Good to see you guys. Uh, I didn't forget you. Glad you're here too. I see you. I can see you. I'm staring at you through your TV screen right now. Uh, okay. Well, here we are. It's spring forward, right? I just want to say we picked a good day for me for me to spring forward. <laughs> Um, hey, I want to say thank you guys so much, Michael and Melissa, for being here and for, for just stepping into this leadership role that you're in. And I, I believe that God placed you here. God placed your family here. And he's going to bless what you do. He's going to bless the work of your hands. And it's, it's not a small thing that you're here. It's amazing. It's huge. And so we honor that. We honor you. And we love you. And um, I love you guys already. I don't know you as well as I will, but... I feel like I love you all already. And so if you don't know them really yet, get to know them because they're going to be here and they're going to lead us and they're going to lead us in God's love and they're awesome. So thank you for allowing me to preach this morning. Thank you for enabling me and pushing people forward towards what God has for them. And so this morning we're going to talk, we've been doing spiritual DNA, right? And it's all about who we are as a church, who we are in God, as the people of God, right? And so this morning, we are going to be talking about possessing the promises of God. So this morning is called Possess the Promises. Possess the Promises. If you can't read it, it says possess. It's a verb to have or own, to take control over, to overpower, to obtain or acquire. That's what it says. If you can't read that, I have trouble reading it. Cool. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Cool. I got um, like 10 pages of notes. I don't think I'll get through them all, but they're here just in case we want to hang out for a little bit this afternoon. I know it's morning, but <laughs> anybody down for the whole, the whole day? No? Okay. We got lunch plans. Okay, cool. So I was thinking, I've been thinking about this for a little while because I was asked to speak about this a little over a month ago. And so I've been, it's been ruminating, right? It's been in my heart. I've been submitting it to God and, and asking, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to the church today? What do you want to say to me? So I'm preaching to myself. Let's just right off the bat. This is something I need to hear just as much as everybody in this room. But promises, right? In the Bible, there's promises. And we know some of the promises. But did you know there is over 8,800 promises in the Bible? That's a big number. There's over 8,800 promises, and over 7,000 of them come directly from God to his people. That's a lot, right? And so I think it's worth us getting to know a few of them, right? Does that make sense? Cool. Throughout the Bible, God had promises for his people. From Abraham being promised to be a father, right? Isaac was a promised child. 
and being promised to be a father of many nations. That was a promise. Uh, to Moses, remember? Moses at the burning bush. Uh, God's speaking through a burning bush, people. It's happening. And he's saying, hey, I want you to go get the Israelites and bring them into a promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. That's a promise, right? So the promised land is a promise. Jesus was a promise, right? In the Old Testament, there's prophecies about Jesus. Did you know this? Did, did anybody know? Did you know that Jesus fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies? That's a lot. So Jesus was a promise, and Jesus was a promise fulfilled, right? So he came. And then when Jesus came onto the scene, he made some promises. And when he made some promises, he was like, peace out, Girl Scout. I'm going up to my father. <laughs> and he was like, I'll be back. <laughs> And so we're in this in-between, right? We're in this like, okay, we've experienced some promises. Jesus was a fulfillment of promises. Uh, the Israelites, they got the promised land, um, you know, and then we're waiting for promises, okay? So there's promises in the Bible. That's kind of the whole point. There's promises. You follow? Do you follow? Cool, awesome. I just need you to talk back to me. We're having a conversation this morning. It's going to be good. And so my prayer for today is that we would— we would think bigger about what the promises of God for our lives are, okay? I, my prayer is that when I share God's word today, it wouldn't just be, oh, God wants me to live a happy, cushy life. Like, God actually has legitimate promises for you. And I believe that he's going to maybe open your heart to some of those. Some of them won't be for everybody. Some of them will just be for you. And some of them they're in the Bible, right? They're for everybody. If it's in the Bible, you could probably just say, hey, that's for me. Um, so let's talk about Israel real quick. We talked about those promises, right? God, when he was in the form of a burning bush, said to Moses, you're going to go take the Israelites and bring them in, into a land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds pretty good. Cool, cool. All right. So there's a promised land. And the story of the promised land is that Moses gets the Israelites out of Egypt, and he takes them into the wilderness. And the wilderness is like this long process, right? But legit, it was supposed to be like an 11-day journey. It's like not that far distance-wise, as you would think. But what happens is, is that the Israelites, they get told, hey, this is the promise from God. And if you obey, I'll bring you into that promise. If you obey, I'll bring you into it. If you don't obey, you're going to experience delay. No obey, delay. You could be back here. You could be like, nah, your 11-day journey will turn into a 40-year wilderness experience. And so, like any of us, they decide to take the long road. And, then, and Israel, um, you know, they're, they're having to fight for the promises of God. And so I'm going to pick up in Joshua 17 and 18. So Joshua just... Also, to give you some background, Joshua was like this young, awesome leader during Moses' time. And then when Moses passed away, Joshua was like, okay, I'm going to lead y'all. I'm going to take you to the promised land. And obviously, this was ordained by God and Moses. But Joshua is like the Israeli, um, he's like the Israeli Tom Brady and Michael Jordan rolled into one. He's a champ, y'all. He is a leader. He is a leader of leaders, okay? That's who Joshua is. He has faith. He has tenacity. He's a man of action and courage. And Joshua is leading the people of Israel. And so we'll pick up in Joshua 17, verse 14. 
Are you there? If you're not there, that's okay. It's on the screen. Can you see? Okay, cool. The people of Joseph said to Joshua, why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear a land for yourselves, there in the lands of the Perizzites and the Raphaites. The people of Joseph replied, the hill country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have chariots fitted with iron, both those in Beth Shean and its settlements, and those in the, the valley of Jezreel. Okay, sounds cool. What's happening is the people of Joseph are in the promised land. We're right smack dab in the promised land, and they're getting inheritance from God, right? You all know what an inheritance is? It's this gift that usually like a father or a mother or a grandfather or a grandmother will give to, you know, their lineage. It's an inheritance. This inheritance is a promise of the promised land, right? And these people of Joseph, they're complaining that the land is too small. Hey, Joshua, this land's too small. It's not good enough for us. And then Joshua goes, yeah, okay. Yeah, the land is too small. You guys are big. You should take more land. <laughs> you should have more land. And so the people of Joseph, they're developing a list, right? They say, hey, the hill country's not enough for us. Okay, and they said it twice in that passage. I don't know if you caught it. The hill country's not enough for us. And then they said, and the Canaanites have these iron chariots, and they're going to kill us, <laughs> Right? things that you should probably think about if you're going to possess a land. Somebody's going to kill me if I decide I'm going to settle there, right? The, the, the people of Joseph, they're complaining that their inheritance, it's too small. And Joshua is responding that their faith is too small. Does that make sense? Did you hear me? The people of Joseph are complaining that their land is too small. It's not big enough for them. They're a great numerous people. And Joseph says, cool, go get some more land. God already promised it to you, right? This is the basis of what we're going to talk about today. God promised them this land. Let's continue. It continues in, uh, in uh, chapter, oh, that's doubled up. In chapter 18, this is just right after that section of scripture. It says, the whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up in the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control, but there were still seven Israelite tribes who had yet to receive their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of our ancestors, has given to you? How long are you going to wait? There's this awesome bit here. The whole assembly of Israelites are gathered in Shiloh. Shiloh, by the way, geographically, is in the dead center of the promised land, okay? This might sound kind of dry to you, but listen to me. The Israelites are in the middle of the promised land. This is the land flowing with milk and honey that was promised to them. They're there, geographically, in the middle of it. They are literally in the center of God's will, and they're complaining about what they don't have. They're literally in the center of God's will, and all they have to do is settle there 
and have a few battles. That sounds kind of like, oh yeah, you just got to go to war. <laughs> All they have to do is settle there, make it their own, and defend it from the Canaanites. And it's theirs. They're where they're supposed to be. They're at Shiloh. They're in the center of God's will. They're where they're supposed to be. Yet there's a battle that needs to take place. Have you ever thought, oh man, I'm not where God wants me to be because I'm experiencing this battle. I'm not where God wants me to be because of the turmoil I'm going through. The Israelites are in the center of God's will. They are at Shiloh, in the promised land, and they have to go to battle. Against iron chariots, y'all. Iron chariots. It's like, it's like a, getting hit by a Lexus or something. When they, they just got horses. It's not cool, all right? But look, this passage of scripture, it shows to me a few things, right? The people of Joseph earlier, like, they, they, they're slothful, right? They're slothful, they're timid, they're without vision. Like, they've already been told by God, hey, you're going to enter into this promised land and nobody can come up against you. Like, you'll face battles, but they can't win because I'm on your side. But they don't remember that. They get into the center of the promised land and they think, that battle seems kind of hard. And look, the reason this is important for our spiritual DNA, the reason I'm talking to you about this today is that you're going to face battles in this life. You've probably already been through a few, right? Not totally unscathed. It happens, okay? And possessing the promises of God, it comes with battles. It comes with battles. So the people of Israel, they're slothful, they're timid, they're without vision. And Joshua stands in stark contrast to his people, right? He's a man of action. He's a man of courage. He's a man of faith. He has a, tr a track record of being those things, and he's leading these people. Sometimes it's God's will for us to go through the battle, and sometimes it's his will for us that we would trust him in it. <clears throat> That's not a fun message. <laughs> Are you trusting God in the battle? So just to summarize what we read, the people of Israel, they're in the center of the promised land. Their inheritance is being dished out, but they're having trouble receiving it. They're having trouble receiving what God is giving to them. So this is important, right? It's important for us because we have promises. Christ gives us promises. We have the promise of eternal life, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise. That's a promise of God. How do we receive that promise? It's Jesus, right? Jesus gave a promise of freedom. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Jesus gives a promise of joy. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. That's 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. What about peace? Do you need the promise of peace in your life right now? Are you experiencing anxiety? Are you experiencing worry? What about Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's promises in God. And sometimes 
we get a little in our feelings and we forget to access them. So this is my intro. Are you ready for the sermon? Are you ready? Okay, cool. Okay, now remember I said that the people of Joseph, the people of Israel, they were slothful, they were timid, they were without vision, right? They didn't see that like they were literally, literally, y'all, standing in the promised land. They were slothful, they were timid, they were without vision. And the antithesis of that is, is Joshua. He's a man of action, a man of courage, and a man of faith. And so we're going to talk about those three things this morning. First, I want to talk about possessing God's promise in action. I want to talk about knowing right and doing right, okay? You can't do what you don't know what to do. <laughs> so I'm not talking about this, like, idea of blind faith or that, you know, you're just going to stumble into doing the acts that God wants you to do. But God promised this land flowing with milk and honey, and that promise came with a fight. It came with a battle. Possessing God's promise, it starts by doing what God says. Your actions, your actions through life, they're a litmus test for knowing whether you're on your way to possessing God's promises. Okay? Your day-to-day -day actions are a litmus test. What does the Bible say? We did these in three slides. I don't know why, but rejoice always. Yeah? Pray continually. <laughs> Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is your will. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Man, okay, what are my actions? Am I rejoicing always? I fail that one a lot. Am I praying continually? Definitely not doing that. Why am I experiencing such heartache, God? What's going on? Have you rejoiced today? Are you praying? Or is that the last-ditch effort? Are you giving thanks in every circumstance? That's tough. That's not easy. And I'm not telling you it is. But it's what the Bible says to do, right? It's a prescription for us, right? It's not just a description of what goes on. It is prescribed to you. The doctor, the good Lord of the Bible is saying, hey, uh, take two aspirin, rejoice always, pray continually, and um, give thanks and call me in the morning. <laughs> right? That's what the Lord's saying. We could all just camp there all day today. We could just stay there. Maybe we should start. Maybe we should just rejoice, right? Lord, thank you for this building. God, you're so good. What have we been here like almost 100 years, and you're so faithful. You're so faithful, God. There's a place for us to worship you. Lord, you are always faithful. Lord, I give you thanks. You're amazing. What if we just did that? Man, that changes my mood. Some, sometimes prayer, prayer changes things, right? We say that a lot. And sometimes the thing that prayer is changing is you. <laughs> yeah, I'd say probably more times than not. Like, we're, we're looking for a split the sea moment. And God's like, I'm going to change your perspective real quick. Because you got a bad attitude. And you need to rejoice. Okay, cool. I'm preaching myself. Remember, I'm preaching myself. Are we doing that, though? Are our go-to actions rejoicing always, praying continually? Are they? Because I know for me, 
It's not 100%, and I need to work on it. God's calling us to work on it. And I'm bringing it up today because it's not my default inclination, right? And it's probably not yours. We have to remind ourselves to rejoice. We have to remind ourselves the importance of prayer and giving thanks and everything. That's wild. There's another, another scripture about acting. Oh, okay. Yeah, Micah 6, 8. This is a popular one. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Right? These are things that God wants you to do. The way that you act matters. So let's start by knowing what God says, right? We start by being with God. That's a huge part of our spiritual DNA. We talk about it all the time. We've been talking about it for weeks. Be with God. Discover Jesus. Discover Jesus. You know? You need to know him before you can really share his love. You don't need to know him fully because you never will. This is a process, right? But we start by, by doing the right things. We possess God's promises in action, knowing the right thing and acting on it, right? Show me your faith, and I'll show you my, your faith by, by your works, right? Do the right thing. Be with God. Sometimes it sounds like the complete opposite of what you need to be doing because your task list is ever-growing, right? Just be with God first. It can wait, and you'll be better for it. Because we're getting ready for eternity, y'all. This ain't the end. This ain't the end. We're getting ready for eternity. Where am I? Okay. We start by knowing what God says, right? I've already said it. Life gets difficult. It can be downright discouraging. And the enemy of our souls would want you to live life defeated and discouraged. But that's not what Jesus came for, right? He came to give us life. He came to give us life abundant. Right? You remember? I'll put it up. Do you remember? Jesus came to give us life abundant, life to the full. And when you're not experiencing life to the full, that's not from Jesus. That's from the other guy. <laughs> Makes sense? Right? Sometimes we need to shift our perspective about what that looks like. But yeah, life will get hard. That's a promise too. It is. Where is it? It's right there. Life will get hard. I've told you many things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. That's one of those promises. You weren't going to claim that one, were you? <laughs> it's coming. It's coming either way. Hey, people online. Yeah, I remember. You're there. It's coming. So what are you going to do when it comes? What are you going to do? Life gets hard. What are our actions? When life gets hard, do you act on your circumstances, or do you rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in everything? Are you wallowing in self-pity and acting on emotions, or are you acting on what God has said? Are you acting on emotions, or are you acting on what God has said? That's a huge word for us, because your emotions don't always line up with what your actions should be, okay? And some people in my generation especially would say, oh, man, you're not being real. You're not being real. It's like, no, I need to be better. I don't need to always do what I feel like doing, right? I need to do what God says to do, right? So what if you put some rejoicing in your situation? What if you put more praying in your situation? What if you give thanks through every circumstance, 
Those are actions that God has for us to do. And they're actions that end up propelling us to the promises he has for us, right? Eternal promises. Eternal promises. It's where the rubber meets the road in our faith. Feeling right and doing right don't always align. Joshua knew the promises of God, and because he knew them, he was, he was sure of God's faithfulness to them. Okay? He was sure of it. He could act on it. Joshua, remember in Numbers, Joshua was the one who went and spied out the land with Caleb, and those other guys were like, no, there's giants, and they'll kill us. And Joshua was like, it's exactly what God said it would be, and we need to take it. Right? You act on what God says. That's how you possess the promises of God. Number two, number two, we possess God's promise through courage. The people of Joseph were scared, right? Iron chariots, that's tough. I mean, maybe not now when we have tanks and stuff, but still, iron chariots, when you're not, you don't got an iron chariot, that's pretty scary and demonstrative. The Canaanites were rough. And they were going to have to be battled. The inheritance included some fights. Little asterisk at the bottom. You're going to have to go to war. <laughs> oh, man. Here you go, people of Joseph. Here's your inheritance. I know it's not enough. And you're going to need more. And to get more, I'm going to need you to go to battle. That seems kind of hardcore, right? Right? So that's going to require some courage. And Joshua is a man of courage. This is something we need in our faith. This, this is a great psalm. Psalm 56, it says, In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. What? Is that, that's not the right version. Okay, my bad. It says, earlier it says, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can mere mortals do to me? David wrote this psalm while he was seized by the Philistines. David's in the midst of turmoil. And he says, I'm afraid. I'm af he says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. What do you do when you're afraid? Come on, we're doing a litmus test today. What do we do when we're afraid? Do we put our trust in God or do we say, we need to work harder. We need to make sure we get ahead of those bills. We need to, we need to this, that, and the other. We need to work until the point of exhaustion. Work, 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 work. Right? What do you do? What do you do when you're afraid? Do you take courage? Do you take courage like Jesus said? Right? Take heart. I've overcome the world. You're going to have trouble. That's a promise. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Did you know that in the Bible, there is a variation on the phrase, fear not, 366 times? There's a variation from God on the phrase, fear not, 366 times. That's one for every day plus leap year. You're covered. Isn't that dope? Wait, I'm not supposed to say dope anymore. The youth group told me, what am I saying, Tyler? Gnarly. That is so gnarly. That's gnarly, y'all. Everybody at home, 
You write that down. Look, 366 times God says, fear not. So I think it's pretty important that we listen, right? It's actually the most commanded phrase in the Bible. I'm not making it up. You can look it up. Just Google it. Wikipedia, you know, everything, all, whatever. It's okay. You have answers to all of the questions. It's all on the internet. It's all, did you know? <laughs> okay, never mind. This is too meta for everybody. It's okay. It's all right. Take heart. Take heart. Jesus said it. It means take courage, right? It means don't fear. It means don't disqualify yourself because there's giants in the land. What are you going through? What are you up against in your own life? What challenges are you facing? Fear's not from God. Fear's not from God. Fear's from the enemy of your soul. The Lord says, take courage. If he has something he called you to, you're going to possess it. You'll possess the land. Right? If he called you to it, he's faithful to do it. 100%. He will. You just got to check in with yourself and say, wait, am I fearing right now? Am I making decisions based out of fear? Or am I being courageous? I was like, okay, what does it mean to be courageous? I was looking up definitions. I'm not going to share a definition because, you know, some people are like, oh, for real, definitions. But what does it mean to be courageous? There's this awesome quote by Franklin D. Roosevelt. It says, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. It's not the absence of fear. Man, it's the assessment that something's more important than fear. Having God is more important than the battle, right? The battle can be destructive. It can cause heartache. It can cause chaos in your life. But having God, that's way more important than having fear. Nelson Mandela put a spin on this quote, and I love the way he said it. He said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Right? David said the same thing thousands of years ago, right? When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. I'm not afraid. What can people do to you? Okay, David. They can do a lot, man. They could do a lot to me. So yeah, that's not cool. But David has a huge perspective about fear, right? David has a huge perspective of what could be done to him. And he says, you know what? Ultimately, God is God. I'm not God. My situation's not God over me. Who needs to hear that today, huh? God's got it. God's got this. It's 100% on God. He said that he would do it. And all you got to do is trust him. All you got to do is walk with courage. That's all you got to do. So Jesus says, take heart. Nelson Mandela says, you know what? You're going <laughs> to triumph over fear, and that's what courage is. What did God say, right? What did God say to Joshua? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua got that lesson at a young age. And because he did, he could lead the people. 
right? Don't beat yourself up if you've had thoughts of fear, if you've been crippled by fear. It doesn't have to be that way. You could start today by taking courage. You could start today by saying, you know what? I am going to be strong and courageous. I'm not going to have fear. The Lord is going to be with me. This is another one of those promises, right? I don't have time to go all, all, through all 8,000 of them. And you wouldn't want me to. We would all miss lunch for the next like 40 days. <laughs> but look, that's a promise. God's going to be with you. Be strong. Take courage. Don't fear. What does that mean? What does it mean to be courageous for you today? Huh? For you, in your world. In your world today, what does it mean? In America, in 2021, what does it mean to be courageous for the Lord? Does it mean saying, I'm not going to live life that way? Does it mean saying, that's not going to be my life? Does it mean saying, you know what? I'm not going to post that on Facebook. Does it mean saying, you know what? I'm not going to look at that on Facebook. Does it mean saying, I'm not going to engage with that part of culture? That's not for me. That's not for me and my family. Does it mean saying, you know what? Y'all can go that way and do that thing, but me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord unapologetically. That's courage, right? Because the world will ostracize you for doing that. Even if you aren't trying to be offensive. Even if you're just like, I'm just doing my thing. I'm just being me, right? The world will say, that's stupid. So take courage, because we're going to come up against some battles. When you're possessing the promise of God, you're going to come up against some battles. Do you remember Daniel? You remember when he was going to be thrown into the fiery furnace? And Daniel says, you know, I'm not going to bow to your gods, and our God, he's going to save me. But even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow. Do we live that courageously? It's going to cost us. There's going to be a battle. But God's promises are good. They're worth it every single time. Act courageously, okay? Be courageous. We possess the promises of God by being courageous, by not being people of fear, by being people who say, you know what? Um, the hard road's okay because you're looking after me, God. You're taking care of me. I have you with me, right? He's not going to abandon you. He walks with you. That's a promise. All right. Now, Joshua also had faith, right? We know this. Joshua was a man of faith. In Hebrews, it says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Dang. It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is foundational to who we are. Faith is foundational to where we're headed. Joshua believed what God said. And sometimes that sounds kind of childish, right? To just believe what God says. But he actually acted it out. He walked in it. He had faith. And faith is just trust in God. For Joshua, faith is what, faith is what remembered that God said everyone around him seemed to have forgotten, right? Like everyone around him forgot what the promises were. You're going to go into a land flowing with milk and honey, and they're right there, and they forgot, right? They're in the inheritance, but they won't receive it. Faith helps us receive our inheritance. 
First Peter 1, 3 through 5 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never fade or per- never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith, it's kept in heaven for you. I, I would like it if these were together, but it's kept in heaven for you, comma, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Look, there's an inheritance in Jesus Christ, right? We have an eternal hope. Does anybody remember that? We have an eternal hope. There's an inheritance in Jesus Christ. And that eternal hope, through faith, is shielded by God's power. I was doing my devos the other day. Like, we, I, my wife and I journal. Brooke, hi, love you. Uh, we journal in the living room, and she, she does the living room, I do the dining room, but we like can see each other, and I'm journaling, and it's like, I'm like, oh, through faith, we're shielded by God's power, right? We're protected, shield, protect, protect me, okay? We're, through faith, we are shielded by God's power, and I'm like, holy cow, uh, it reminded me of the armor of God, and I was like, cool, 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 let's look at the armor of God, and I was like, I wonder if faith is the shield, in the armor of God. And do you know what? Faith is the shield in the armor of God. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I already said you're going to have a battle, right? It's a promise. You'll have trials, tribulations. Do you have faith? Faith will shield you. Faith will protect you. And it's not just faith. Oh, I believe. You believe what? You have faith in God, right? You have faith in Jesus Christ. He came, he lived as a perfect human and God all in one. Don't even get me started. I don't even know how. I don't even know how to describe that. But he came and he lived a perfect sinless life. And he died a sinner's death, our death. And then he, he rose from the dead, defeating death and the grave. And he's up in heaven. And he said, I'm coming back. Faith in that guy, not faith in faith. Faith in Jesus, faith in who he is, faith in what he said. And that faith is a shield to you. That faith protects you from the fiery darts of the enemy. If, if there's nothing that's your spiritual DNA, that's your spiritual DNA. Your faith in God protects you in this life. Okay? Come on, I gotta get an amen on that one. Your faith in life protects you. Amen. Thank you. You have an inheritance. God has promises for you. And there's going to be a battle. We know this. Don't go into battle without your faith. Some of you are just leaving it at the door when you go out of the house in the mornings. Some of you didn't even bring it into church. What? Bring your faith. Come on, where's the faith? A battle is coming and faith is your shield. Remember, who through faith are shielded by God's power. The shield of faith. It's defense against the work of the enemy, guys. We know we have an enemy, right? Remember John 10, 10? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Not cool, not cool, not cool. But Jesus came to give an abundant life. And with faith, we're shielded for eternity. With faith, we're shielded through eternity. There's an eternal spiritual promise, right? Eternity with God. That's the promise. 
unity with God. That's the important one, right? If you don't get, um, you know, anxiety-free living or uh, completely healed on this side of eternity or your bank account is in the positive, if you don't get any of that stuff, but you still get eternity with God, that's awesome, right? That's all, come on, that's awesome. That's so good. Rejoice always, right? Give thanks in everything. Why? Because we have this overarching, wonderful perspective that, you know, in the end, God takes care of his people. In the end, we'll be on the other side of eternity and we'll see, you know what? God did this and he did this and he was faithful here. He was faithful there. He brought me through. I loved him. I had faith in him and I was shielded from the darts of the enemy. Faith shields you. Today's faith shields tomorrow's promise. Okay? Today's faith, your faith in God will shield the promise for tomorrow. Right? And what is that promise? It's the eternal hope we have. The hope in Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. We have assurance. Blessed assurance. Come on. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Come on. Come on. We have an eternal promise. And your faith today, your faith every day, is going to protect that promise in your heart. Today's faith shields tomorrow's promise, okay? Remember it. Today's faith shields tomorrow's promise. We live in this weird in-between, right? The kingdom has come. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not yet. It's still coming. God's going to, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make all things right. We're going to be unified with God. It's a promise. And your faith today matters. Your faith today matters. It shields that promise in your heart. Okay. Now before we finish, I have a little, I'm going to share a little story. Y'all know who Harry Houdini is? Anybody? Harry Houdini? Nobody was around during Houdini. Maybe. I, don't, I doubt it. But Houdini died in 1927. So, at the end of the 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s, Houdini rose to great acclaim. And do we know what Houdini was famous for? You know, pulling a Houdini, like escaping, disappearing. Houdini uh, it was very famous for disappearing or vanishing, right? And so, Houdini was this escaped artist, escape artist. And his fame began, began to grow at the turn of the century. It's kind of hard to see, but... Up there on that poster that he made for his act says, The world's handcuff king and prison breaker. The handcuff king and the prison breaker. He could get out of any kind of handcuff. And he used to challenge people to, like, put handcuffs on him and, you know, get him in a straight jacket and see if he couldn't get out, right? And he did this thing where he was touring around Europe and he would... Um, challenge each jailer in each town that he went to. Hey, lock me in the jail. See if I don't get out. Houdini, man. And people would show up in droves to see him because it was like, how does this guy do this? It's amazing, you know? Like, what's going on? And so 
Houdini's traveling town to town. He's getting out of every jail, and, and you know, things are going good. He's, he's earning money doing this. This is his living, right? This is what he does for a living. This is who he is. Houdini will break out of prison. Do you want to go see it? We can go see it on Friday night, me and all the kids, and well, let's go see Houdini break out of prison. And so this one jailer invites Houdini to come, right? And he says, okay, bet you can't get out of my jail. And he had a trick that he was going to pull on Houdini. He decided that when he shut the jail cell door to, to lock Houdini in there, that he would just leave it unlocked. And so Houdini, been doing great. It's like, like 100 out of 100, no failed attempts yet, right? Houdini is in this jail cell, and he takes a piece of metal out of his out of, like, I think it was a pin from his belt or something like that, and he tries to start fiddling with the lock. And a half hour goes by, and nothing's happening. Nothing's working. He can't, like, the door isn't coming unlocked. He's just fiddling with it. It's not coming unlocked. What's going on? Houdini's starting to sweat. It's been an hour. People are watching, by the way, because he's selling this show, right? Somebody paid money to watch him fiddle with a lock, and, and it's been an hour, and he's sweating, and he's freaking out. He's like, my career is going to be over. What is going on? It's been an hour and 30 minutes. Houdini is sweating and freaking out. He doesn't know what is happening. Why can't he figure out the lock? What's going on? It's been two hours, and Houdini is like, I can't do it. I'm done. And in pure exhaustion, he falls forward, and the door flings open. The jailer, very happy that his trick worked for two whole hours, and Houdini is just kind of disgraced, kind of like, oh, for real? It wasn't even locked this whole time. Why am I telling you this story? I want you to know that Jesus already unlocked the door. Jesus paid the penalty for sin and death and shame, okay? And sometimes we put ourselves in a prison of our own making, and we say, oh, man, I could experience the promises of God if I could just get out of here. If this could happen, if that could happen, I could experience the promises of God. And the door's already open. And in faith, sometimes you just got to push the door open. <laughs> Don't be like Houdini and work on it yourself. Don't be like Houdini and work on it your whole life and then collapse forward to realize that the door was already opened all along. Jesus paid the penalty, right? And in Jesus, we have an eternal hope. We have an eternal promise in Jesus. It's no small thing, but it's something that we have to receive, right? You've got to believe on Jesus. And yeah, it matters for your every situation, but it's paramount to your salvation, right? It's, it's the most important thing. So don't be Houdini, okay? Don't be an escape artist, first of all. I don't think there's a lot of money in it these days. <laughs> Key fobs, can you imagine? <laughs> just like, beep, beep, beep. Okay, sorry. I just think of hotel doors with the keys and whatnot. Look, there's truth in the fact that the work is already done, right? The Israelites, they needed to possess a land because there's this, like, cosmic plan that God was working out to bring Jesus on the earth. But you live on the other side of that. 
you and I, we live in this time after Jesus already came. We live in the fulfillment of so many promises. The door's unlocked, y'all. The door is unlocked, and we just need to open it. Jesus has so much for you. He truly does. So what do you need to do, right? How do you need to act? Remember, you have a choice. You don't get to choose what happens to you, but you get to choose how you respond, right? The people of God respond by rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. That's what we do. That's how we act. And we also can take courage. We can take courage. We can say, you know what? Fear is, is just a liar. Fear is just a liar. I'm taking courage today. God told me to be strong and courageous, so I'm going to do it, right? And then with faith, we know we're saved. It's done. You read the end of the book, right? It's already over. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week.